I would like to tell you about the fanciest chair I ever saw in my life. So I saw this fancy chair once in a museum in the Vatican, and this chair, this fancy chair, even had a fancy name. I want to make sure I get it right. Sedia Gestatoria. Sedia Gestatoria. So this fancy chair actually was a throne, and this was a throne on which, kind of a long time ago, popes were carried around by a group of men. They were carried around on this throne through St. Peter's into vast processions. So this fancy chair, you even saw pictures dating back, you know, 100 years or so when this chair or throne was in use. You could see the Pope being carried through St. Peter's Square into St. Peter's Basilica. There were even sort of little, uh, what looked like fans to kind of see, kind of keep him fanned as he was processing through. A very dramatic image, a very kind of, you could say, regal or magnificent image. This special chair, this fancy chair, this sedia gestatoria, presents a certain or particular image of authority and of the church. So this one fancy chair kind of tells us something about how people thought about the church and authority at a specific period in time. At this time, when this kind of throne for the Pope was used, the kind of structure of the church or the image of the church that we could consider could be the image of a triangle. Okay, the image of a triangle, where at the peak of the triangle, of course, can be found God, Jesus Christ, but right after that is the Pope, further down the cardinals, then the bishops, and then sort of at the bottom are the baptized, the laity. And in this understanding of the church, the structure of the church, we could even consider that grace, sort of, it's like a trickle-down economics idea, where grace begins, power begins with the Pope, and it kind of filters down to the rest of the people. Now this image of the church might kind of strike us as odd today, but of course throughout history there's been various images of the church. This one tended to exalt or emphasize those who had authority, which was basically ordained people. So this image of the church, however, we can understand in a certain sense why it developed. It was in a reaction to a lot of things that were happening in history at this time. So this particular image of the church, where the church is presented as kind of a triangle, grew or developed a lot in response to the Enlightenment. During this time, different states were removing piece by piece the secular power or control that the Pope and the Church had. So we need to remember that at this time, the Pope was actually a large landowner, had a lot of, uh, a lot of authority, a lot of secular authority at this time. And in response to this authority being taken away by different governments, the Church liked to stress that they were kind of a perfect society was the term that they said. There were these other societies in the world, but the church itself was this perfect society which had this hierarchy, that had a greater goal ultimately. And again, this model of the church is understandable. It was in response to historical events. The Holy Spirit was certainly active. Saints were certainly risen up at the church during this time. But this model of the church, of course, carried with it great risks, this emphasis on authority this distinction that it made between those who had power and authority, the ordained people, and the rest of the baptized. And we saw at this time that popes again were carried on thrones, cardinals were called princes, and even priests could be seen really as very, very distinct from the rest of the people. There are risks with this image of the church, with this sedia gestatoria, this throne, this image of the church and power that it conveys. Jesus in the Gospel today challenges us to look at power and authority and even the church in a very different way. 
One of the risks that this image of the church, this triangle, presents to us is that we can fall into the trap that the sons of Zebedee fell into, James and John in the Gospel today. James and John in the Gospel today ask Jesus that when he comes in his glory, they may sit on his right and on his left. In the Gospel today, it seems that the sons of Zebedee misunderstand the kind of Messiah that Jesus is and misunderstand the kind of kingdom that Jesus came to brought about. The sons of Zebedee perhaps thought that Jesus was the kind of Messiah who was going to reestablish the Davidic kingdom here on earth. That Jesus would come and kick out the occupying Roman forces and become a real temporal ruler with power and with authority. And therefore they wanted to sit on his right and his left. These were the positions of power and authority. And in response to this, Jesus says, essentially, this is not the way things work in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, those who hold the power and authority, those who lead, which is really each one of us, need to serve. This kind of way of exercising authority is sometimes called servant leadership. This is what Jesus calls us to. So Jesus in the gospel today presents a different kind of image of authority in the church. And instead of that kind of fancy chair that I talked about, another image we can think of is another image that involves a chair, but a different kind of chair. For myself, I'm always struck by paintings that depict the Last Supper, especially the Last Supper in John's Gospel. And in these images or paintings of the Last Supper from John's Gospel, we find another kind of chair. But Jesus is not sitting on this chair, and he's certainly not being carried on a throne in this chair. But rather, it's Jesus' disciples who are seated on the chair, and it's Jesus who is their master, their leader, who is on his knees washing the feet of his disciples. This image also has a chair in it, but depicts a very kind of different vision of authority, of leadership, and even what it means to be a church. Jesus in the gospel challenges us today that if we want to lead, and each of us are called to that, we must ultimately serve. The church ultimately throughout history is trying to convert to be more of what Jesus would like it to be. And in this ongoing process of conversion, the model of the church is changing as well to better represent or more represent this idea of leadership that is brought about through service, that we are all ultimately called to serve. So for hundreds of years now, really, the image of the church has been transforming from that of a triangle to that really of a body, which we find in St. Paul's letters, that all of us are equal through our baptism. This idea really that there was this great distinction between ordained people, that we are kind of up here and the rest of the followers of Jesus is kind of not really found too much in the New Testament, especially in Paul's letters. There we find this image of the body of Christ, the church, as being this body. Jesus Christ is the head. We've all been given different gifts, different charisms, but we're all there to serve each other. Because of our baptism, we all have this great equality in Christ. We're all meant to participate in the mission of Jesus Christ. The image of the church now is not so much a triangle or a perfect society where there's this hierarchy, but rather we are all called to be the people of God, all called to serve one another, and all ultimately called to participate as co-workers in this mission that Jesus Christ has given us. Part of this idea of what the church is, this idea of the church being a body, is a church which is expressed through synodality synodality. This, of course, has been part of the church from the beginning, 
and has been emphasized particularly by Pope Francis during his pontificate, a church that is synodal. Synodal comes from the Greek word synod, which simply means together on the path, synodos, together on the path or the road together. We are meant to be a church that is together on the path. We're walking forward together, being led by Jesus Christ. Recently, the Pope, Pope Francis has instituted this synodal process that's going to take a number of years. And next Sunday, actually, next Sunday, October the 24th, right here in our own cathedral at 2.30 p.m., Archbishop Michael Miller will be celebrating a very special Mass to inaugurate this special synodal process. And following this Mass in different places throughout our diocese, in parishes and different groups, we're going to have a lot of different activities, a very special moment of grace. We'll be able to gather together, to listen to each other, to discern how the Holy Spirit is calling us to act here and now, in this time, in our present, here in the city of Vancouver, so that we can more better, always, finish or complete this mission of Jesus Christ, this mission of evangelization. This is one way, then, that as the church we are called then to serve each other, to exercise this vision of authority that Jesus presents to us in the Gospel. So I'd encourage each one of us, if we can, next Sunday at 2.30 p.m., if we're able, to come to this cathedral here and to celebrate the inauguration of this synodal process with our Archbishop Michael. And if we can't be here in person, to really pray that this synodal process may be a time of fruit in our diocese, so more and more we can fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ.